Today's show is made possible by your friends, Ron and Don, licensed realtors with Windermere Midtown. They came super prepared, and they were quick to see that, even though I never told them. Uh, and I really appreciated that. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Ron and Don. <laughs> you good? Yeah. Okay. Hey guys, what's going on? It's episode number 133 of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron Upshaw. I'm Don O'Neill. And of course, we are licensed agents at Windermere. When you're ready to sit down with us, all you have to do is go to ronanddonsitdown.com. That's ronanddonsitdown.com, a brand new website if you want to sit down with us. Really easy to navigate. Go check it out. And if you know somebody that's looking to buy, sell, or invest, We'd love to sit down with them, so maybe show that uh, website. Hey, today, we've talked for years now about impossible conversations. A number of months ago, we had Doc Wilson on, who's a local active uh, African-American activist and also a great cyclist. His friend Ed Ewing's going to be here. And, of course, Ed was in charge of the Major Taylor Project, making sure across 19 high schools that there are places for kids to go after school, build bikes, and then get on these bikes, ride them all the way to Portland, which I got to do with them a number of years ago. It's called the Seattle to Portland. And these are a lot of black and brown kids. Both these men are activists. Both these men are now in their 50s. And both these men have talked about having impossible conversations in the community. We wanted to check back in with them, Ron, and just see how these impossible conversations were going. Yeah, this has been interesting to me for me to watch because uh, right after George Floyd and we saw massive protests all around America and then it spread to the world, you saw it in, in other countries, it seemed palpable that there was substantive change that was in the air. And so from my perspective, but like that's that's a very limited perspective and so it's i want to find out from uh, two black men do they feel like it's lasting change like when i see something like uh the washington dc football team change their name because fedex and nike and some other big sponsors said listen uh we're not gonna put up with this anymore we've been talking about this since 1968 that your name was offensive and so now uh, we're pulling our 40 million dollars off the table we're not going to give it to you anymore and, and then boom the name gets changed so to me that that is something that's important and that it happened in the culture and, and dan snyder got slapped down a little bit of saying no just because you're rich and just because you own an nfl team you don't get to be offensive 24 7 we've seen uh some police officers get arrested in atlanta we saw police officers get arrested and charged with murder in in minneapolis and so those are big changes we've had this defund the police thing that has happened uh, around the world and people are taking it seriously on the west coast first more so than in the interior of the country so we might see what that means it's become a political hot spot uh, an, an agenda item if you will so th- there seems to be things happening but again from my perspective i don't know if it's enough i don't know if it's the right things and then the other thing that's important to me I'm always self-conscious about being tone deaf, where I feel like I have good intention. I feel like I want to do the right thing, but very likely knowing myself, I could be putting my foot in my mouth at every opportunity. And then when my, my friends of color leave, they roll their eyes and go, ah, Ron, his heart's in the right place, but man, that was, so I, I want to check in and see if hopefully I'm not doing that. Yeah. Well, you know what? And sometimes you are, and it's part of learning. It's also a part of trying. And I'm not going to sit here, and I don't think Ed and Doc are going to sit here and laugh at people, especially white people that are trying now. They're trying. They're trying to understand the story, the plight 
of what it's been like to be an African-American in this country for the last 400 years and also what it's been like for Doc and Ed, who've been around 50 years plus now. We come back. We'll talk to our great guest, Doc Wilson, Ed Ewing, great cyclists. They announced something six weeks ago called the Peace Peloton. Over 400 of you showed up, and uh, they're going to have another Peace Peloton coming up this Saturday that they're going to tell you about, too. Okay? Let's have some impossible conversations. A follow-up with Ed Ewing and Doc Wilson next, right here, live for the Les Schwab Studios. It's episode 133, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, Ron and Don here for Les Schwab, the title sponsor of the Ron and Don Show, and we really appreciate them. Summer driving season is here. A lot of people are getting antsy. They want to get out and about, and they don't want to get on a plane. They want to get in their car. It may have been sitting for a while, Don. It's good to get this thing checked out before you take a trip. Yeah, before you take a trip, and a lot of people are doing this. I talked to a lot of my friends here in Seattle. They're like, hey, I'm going to head east. I'm going to Oregon, hit the coast, all that. My son and I are going to do that in a couple weeks. Do a free, and I say free, pre-trip safety check. You're going to save lots of money here, and this is what they're going to do. The other guys are going to charge a lot of money, not at Les Schwab. They're going to inspect your alignment. They're going to look at your front-end components. They're going to make sure your shocks, your struts are functioning properly. What about that battery? And how about those brakes? What kind of percentage do you have left? And the good news is this. If you don't need anything, they just button you up and send you on your way. And if you need new tires, well, there's no better place than Les Schwab right now because they have the summer tire sales is going on right now. Yeah, you can save up to $110 on a set of four select tires. This is a limited time offer while supplies last. The amount you save will depend on the size and type of tires you buy. You can get all the details at LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab Tires, doing the right thing, matters we had multiple offers fifty thousand dollars more than the asking price he had no contingencies so i jumped on that one when it comes to your real estate journey it truly is one of life's biggest transactions if you're downsizing upsizing or right sizing ron and don can help you buy sell or invest in real estate it all starts with a ron and don sit down that's what peter did i moved over to kitsap county across from seattle and it was becoming more difficult to manage the triplex so i thought maybe i should check with them about whether it would be a good time to sell when we first sat down they showed me what property was selling for in my neighborhood they had several suggestions on you know when we should go on the market what we needed to do to get ready to go on the market and because i lived over in kitsap county it was going to be difficult for some of the general contractor type things so i said well if you guys will do that i'm, I'm ready to put it on the market so they took over when the landscape person didn't do a very good job in their opinion they came over and redid it (laughs) and they didn't charge me anything for that so I, i was very thankful for that we went on the market we had multiple offers we had one fella that offered fifty thousand dollars more than the asking price and in addition he had no contingencies so i jumped on that one the important thing to me was my son is in college and he was getting ready to go to the UW and I've been renting him one of my apartments so I needed to find a a replacement for him. Ron uh, basically did a check for the areas that I said I was interested in buying. He gave us a whole list of uh, properties that were available. He came with us Sunday morning and we looked at probably five different places, made an offer on one but didn't get that one, made an offer on a second one and did get that one. And uh, it was just, it was a very smooth process. I would very much work with them again. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com.
Hey, everybody, it's the Ron and Don Show. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Les Schwab Studios. It is episode 133 of the Ron and Don Show. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, we had a couple of gentlemen on, and we were talking about impossible conversations that we're having right now during COVID-19 and also during the Black Lives Matter movement. What we wanted to do is do a follow-up, because that particular podcast may be the most listened-to podcast of 2020 so far. And if you go back and you want to listen to it, look at this title. And it talked about the fact that these men said, we are no longer asking for a seat at the table. As young black men, we are going ahead and just take our seats right now. Joining us, Ed Ewing, you've heard me talk about him before. He's a beloved cyclist, and he's a badass, you guys. He's a bad, bad man on a bicycle. I just talked to a a, a cyclist I respect, and they said, he's a bad man. Yeah, that's what they (laughs) Laura Miller said that about you, Edward. So anyway, he's very well known. And and the bottom line is this, you guys. Look at people out riding bikes. Look at the Cascade Bicycle Club, which it has a connection with. It's mostly white people on bikes. What they have done with the major Taylor projects, they have gotten black and brown kids not only rebuilding bikes, making bikes, but then riding all these bikes together and training rides, going all the way to Seattle to Portland. And Ed and the Major Taylor Project have done that each and every year. Doc Wilson joins us right now. And if you look at the bottom of the show notes, not only is he an activist like Ed is, but he is also a coach, you guys. And Ron and I have reached out to Doc. We have some work to do. Because the bottom line is we need some coaching. And we've turned to Doc and we asked you, if you need some coaching in your business life, in your personal life, Look in the show notes, all the information there for Doc. And I think after listening to him, you'll be motivated. And you're like, yeah, I could use some Doc in my life. So let's jump in here, guys. Ed, I'm going to start with you. The Impossible Conversations. We were in our terrestrial studios years ago. And you and Doc specifically talked about, hey, we just want to start having these impossible conversations. And when people want to have the impossible conversation, let me know. And then you got up and left. So we are back now. The impossible conversation, Ed, what is the impossible conversation or the impossible conversations that you'd like to have? Oh, my goodness. I, I, if I said there were less than I, – I would anticipate it's somewhere between 75 to 100 conversations that I've had since the death of George Floyd. Um, and I would say – 70% of those were on point where the individual has done a lot of homework on their own, um, a lot of self-reflection, um, a lot of, um, of just self-study, um, and a lot of respect for my time. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's has been the most... Um, apparent and most obvious thing to me is respecting my time. And the other percent of that has just been awful, has been painful. Mm. And not for the respect of it's bringing up old wounds about race. It's just that the people are really doing it for their own. It's just for self-serving purposes. It's, it's um, clumsy, clumsy. It's awkward. It's um, the person hasn't done their work. They're really reaching out to see how I'm doing and to to care for me and to take care of me. And it's like, you know what? I've been black 55 years. Um, 
I have two parents and a wonderful family that raised my brother and I to take care of ourselves. And I'm good. And I haven't heard from you in years, <laughs> in a lot of cases, months and others. And all of a sudden you're discovering that I'm black and that what happened to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor and the others is, is a very real possibility for me. And those conversations, what I've learned is just to, is to not be frustrated by it, just to let it go. Because one day, someday they'll learn and I'm not on this earth to teach them. I'm not on this earth to teach them at all. Um, the conversations that have been very impactful and, and have been very meaningful, and I just had one last night. With a good friend of mine, and um, his name is John Crutch. And John's a salt of the earth guy. Um, he, he just turned 60 earlier this year and we've been, we became friends through cycling and, um, he's got his own landscaping business and, uh, he just reached out yesterday and said, Hey, you know, I'm in my backyard. You want to come by for a social distance beer and talk? And, um, um, and what I didn't know that is his mom died and, um, in all of this COVID and it wasn't by COVID, but in all this COVID, um, George Floyd, uh, in all of this, his, his mom dies. And that has been the, where his energy has been. And, and I just sat there for an hour and a half and I listened because he needed to process and talk about his mom. And he's like, you know, you're the first person I've invited over here to my house in probably four or five months. And so I felt honored to, to be there and to, to, to listen to him talk about his mother. Hmm. And, and that's how the conversation started. And he said, you know, I, I know I've probably put my foot in my mouth, Ed, a couple times with you and around you. And, and um, I know I've caught myself. And he's like, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking, a lot of reading. And he's like, I don't know what it's like. He goes, but I tell you one thing that's really happened through through all of this is I've really learned who my friends are. He said, I've got a lot of friends who live north, um, like north of the ship canal, that I'm really questioning my friendship with them. Um, he said another thing, you know, he didn't know about he didn't know about racial covenants in Seattle. Um, so there's some racial covenants in North Seattle and some very exclusive neighborhoods. He didn't know. He's just now finding out about that. And he just now found out that those racial covenants, you know, you in redlining, you could live in this area. You could, if you're a certain color, a certain religion, or you could not, if you're black. Um, he didn't know that those, those existed. And he didn't know that they were just abolished in 1988. I mean, that's, that's, that's recent. That is recent history and that that existed here in Seattle. And, um, you know, we just, we sat and we talked for almost three hours. And um, um, those are the conversations that I appreciate. That's the vulnerability that I appreciate. And you can tell who's done their homework. Again, um, being an African-American on this earth, for you have 55 years of sniffing out bullshit 
or as another friend of mine um, said, real recognizes real. You, you recognize if somebody's bringing their full self, their honest self. And for that, I have infinite time. I will hold space for that uh, because on the other side of that is learning. And that's on the other side of these impossible conversations. That's, that's what's there is learning and, and the ability to grow. All right. So he's Ed Ewing. Doc, I want to ask you a follow-up on what Ed was just saying. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be the tone-deaf guy. And Ed sort of alluded to it that 30% of the conversations he has are with tone-deaf white people. Um, and I've consciously like, I don't want to put my foot in there. I was listening to a podcast of some guys that it was hosted by two black men. And it was like, dude, I got a random Venmo for $5 from a dude I went to college with (laughs) because he saw it on Twitter to like, send your black acquaintance, you know, money. He's like, Uh, it was completely tone deaf. So uh, how do I, I don't want to be tone deaf. Wow. And I don't also want to put it on you to coach me up. It's, it's a weird place to be though. Sure. Um, yeah, look, uh, if you want to send me $5, go ahead and send me $5. <laughs> Everybody who wants to send me $5, go ahead. There's no... You know, I'll manage my emotions around that. All right. <laughs> There's the promo. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I... I, I yeah, I... I, I <laughs> about tone deafness and the impossible conversation. The, the, the conversation is only impossible until it's hacked, until you have the conversation. Then it's no longer impossible. And I, um, I think back to my good brother Ed, what he was uh, sharing earlier, and others who have talked about how long they've been uh, black in the world, right? I've been black for 52 years, and I have black and his uh, black and Hispanic and uh, Latinx, and I have friends from all over the world, all faiths, and um, they, uh, the the people in my circles, connect with me in a way that I allow them to. Mm-hmm. So, and I know this word uh, triggers people, but I train people how to communicate with me. And by that, I mean, if you say something, if you say something to me that I don't understand, I don't agree with, uh, that sounds a little off-putting, I am going to become curious. And if I, come, if I become curious consistently, then they know, going back to what Ed said, you can't bring that bullshit in here because I'm going to examine my curiosities about where this information is coming from and why are you bringing it into my public space, right? So I, I think that's one of the things that's uh, been very powerful in a learning experience for me. As soon as I, I hear information that I don't understand and I can't uh, align with, I am going to get curious. And that is what, that's where the impossibility comes in because um, people are comfortable being comfortable, right? Uh, and they don't want to be comfortable. I, mean, I think I mentioned this in the, one of the shows we did earlier, going back to my uh, college days and Psych 101, where my professor said, uh, humans want three things. They want to uh, experience pleasure, resist pain, and connect with other people. That resisting pain is the impossible piece that we've been talking about, right? Mm-hmm. 
who just don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't want to be in an awkward situation. And uh, another piece of that is not only do I get really curious about the presenter of the information that's landing in my space, I get curious about other people around me who look like me and understand my story who don't get as curious as I do, right? So I want to I want to challenge people to go through that short period of discomfort to get to the prize of learning that Ed was talking about. You are going to be uncomfortable because it's some brand new shit for you, right? But as soon as you receive it, as soon as you process it, and as soon as you start to appreciate the the lived stories of other people, we will start to evolve past this impossibility and start to build these these flourishing communities. Yeah. I think it's interesting. You guys, I've been doing some online dating. Oh my gosh. Be careful. <laughs> it's really interesting though. When you see a lot of women that are on there and I'm not talking African-American women, I'm, I'm talking white Caucasian women and they put in their dating pro profile. If black lives don't matter to you, then you need to go ahead and swipe. I think it's swipe, right? Uh, is it swipe left? Whichever one is I'm eliminating you. Swipe I don't know. No. Whichever, whichever one that is, whichever <laughs> that one that is. So I went I still out. Have dial up, so I don't know. I went out on on one of these dates, and and when I go on a date now, because things are in the headlines, I guess, and because of these conversations that we're having, yeah. I asked the date that I was with. She was from the Middle East. I said, "What do you think of the Black Lives Matter movement?" She works at a very big tech company here. It's a very big tech company, and she's in charge of hiring and firing people. And she said. And I'm almost, I'm, I'm afraid to tell you guys this, but I'm going to tell you this because it came out in a possible conversation. She said, you know what? The, the, the blacks that I work with, uh, they're all dirty. They're all nasty. And they all lie. They're dirty. They're nasty. And they lie. Is what she said to me. Um, so we began, I began to get very curious about her saying these things. And I said, you know what? This is where I need. Ed doesn't need to hear this because he, he, he knows there's people out there in hiring and firing positions in big tech firms. He's, he's been telling us this for 55 years that this exists. But you know what? This is my turn now to take a shoulder pad and to lean into this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to have a conversation with her. And so we began to have a conversation. She didn't know the North from the South. She moved here five years ago. She didn't know there was a civil war. She had no idea. She didn't know about Dr. King. She didn't know about the Bill of Rights. She's never studied her history from 1950 to 1955, and then 55 to 58. So we sat there and we talked history. But at the end of that, her mind was already made up about black people. And my mind was already made up about this particular date and never going on a date with this woman again. And at the same time, I wanted to make sure that she knew where I was coming from and that the Black Lives Matter slogan, it ain't no slogan to me, uh, but I, I, I went home from that date and I cried. I cried because it didn't create a lot of pain for me, but it created a lot of pain for me trying to understand just a little bit of what it would be like for Doc or Ed, what it would be like for you. When you hear these things, it's up to a guy like me, a 53-year-old white guy, to lean into it with a shoulder pad. Yeah. And, I, and, uh, go ahead, Ed. Sorry. Uh, you know, and, and that person is... is 
that person's in HR <clears throat> with, I imagine, a tremendous amount of influence and power. So and this is something we visited in our first conversation um, with, with you and Ron, that it's, it's not just in law enforcement. It's, it's you know, what, what happened to George Floyd, um, there's a different form of that that happens in, in well-intended organizations, hmm. both for-profit and non-profit, where you have racist biases, stereotypes, opinions that can influence not only a person's career, but their, their emotional and social well-being. And I say that with conviction, with experience of this, it has affected me. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, this type of behavior goes unchecked. Yeah. There's code that goes with it. There's, 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 um, it's, it's sometimes more than one person. And the effect that that has, it's, it's, it's lasting. And in, in a lot of cases, you'll never find out. Mm -hmm. You'll never find out. You know, that's, that's what, that's what that's what concerns me. I mean, what we see, um, <clears throat> what we see that's captured in videotape, and 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 you know um, <laughs> what they call Karens now. You know, it's it's the stuff you don't see. It's the stuff you don't see. The policies that you don't see, that you don't feel, um, um, and and that's that's what just wreaks havoc in within organizations. And that, in a lot of cases, is why. Again, some non and for profit organizations, that's where you see the stratification of of race when you get to higher levels, senior leadership, board of directors, where it starts to become more white and or all white. And then you see at lower level positions, you see people of color in non influential positions. Um, a lot of that's an unspoken, unspoken code, unspoken policy. Um, so hearing that story from you, Don, what's what? what concerns me or scares me about that is that this person has access and they have influence and they can really F up somebody's life and well-being and social, well, social and emotional well-being. Yeah. Doc, doc, do you want to, you had some stuff to say there too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you stay on the date, man? Was she cute? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't believe that you can take it that way, but I guess <laughs> I I, <laughs> I was shaking in my boots whether I should come in and tell you guys this yeah. because it yeah I, I have it's, to tell it's cool, man. It, it 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 was very scary to tell you that just now. Uh, I, that's I, I I having been in those in those situations so many times, I I had a more I. I listening to your story, I had a, a reaction of appreciation. Like I appreciate that you had that experience and uh, you know, the way you reacted to it. But th this person was uh, this person was influenced by her environment, by the ideologies that are going around in her environment, and by the people she surrounds herself with uh, who cultivate that type of thought. 
right? That's, that's all she knows. And to go outside of that. So I'm, I, I'm not here to, I'm going to go back to what Ed said earlier, what we talked about on a, uh, another show. My role is not to inform you or to teach you. I am not the pedagogical guru of everything black culture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Doc Wilson. I'm a 52-year-old black man who lives in Seattle and enjoys cycling. That's it. So uh, in order for this person to shift their behavior or their thoughts, they have to, they have to have that impossible conversation. And if you, if you go against their ideologies, they're going to resist and are going to hunker down even more. The, I think the best approach for someone like that is to just get curious. Don't fly off the handle and say, oh, you're racist. Just ask them, call them on what they're saying. Where, where did you get that information? Have you seen black people who are dirty in this building that you're working in? Mm-hmm. Have you seen black people who are poor and lay or whatever, uh, however she characterizes these, these black people? That is the way she's informed. And she's surrounding herself with people like that. And the reason I'm believing, the reason she approached you in that way is because she thought she had an ally in you. And now she knows because you became curious that, oh, well, this guy isn't on board. And you know what I mean? That's, that's where the uncomfortable, impossible piece comes in. But I've, I, I've been in those situations, man, where people, and not just talking about black people, just um, uh, diminishing the integrity and the value that difference adds to our society the unique differences that we all have add to our society. When someone comes in and says, this person is this, or this group of people is that, where did you get that information? That's what I always ask before I fly off the handle and start talking shit. You want to talk to people. And then the other piece of that child, that impossible conversation is people don't want to change. If like, People don't want to change what they've been believing all their lives. So if you present them with the facts, like the black and white, as clear as day facts, they are going to resist that at, at every turn. It's really good. So, Ed, I wanted to ask you, and then follow up me with you, Thank Doc. You. When, when we talked last time, there was a palpable energy in the culture after George Floyd. It seemed like this time was going to be different. We did see a couple of arrests of police officers. Uh, in Minneapolis and then also in Atlanta. Uh, We saw every major corporation come out and change their Instagram account to a black square or they released uh, some sort of statement. We saw the Washington, D.C. football team be forced to change their name because FedEx said we ain't going to put up with that anymore. So is this going to be a lasting change according to Ed Ewing? I think so. Um, and it, and I think it's also important to, to define what change looks like, um, because for me personally, at the end of the day, I need, I need to take care of myself. I need to get sleep. I need to get rest. I also can't fight every fight every day because that's going to burn me out. Yeah. And that's something that, um, my mom and dad taught my brother and I was like, you know, never argue with a fool in public um, and look at the long game, the long-term sustainable strategy. It's like, you know, it's, it's like what, what doc and I and the other group of friends that we have that we hang out with when, when doc launched peace Peloton, we said, okay, now brother, how can we help you make this sustainable? 
you know, how do we do this? How do we preserve ourselves, our integrity, this movement, the people that are involved, our own energy? How do we do that? And, you know, being growing up black or being black, it's 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 like when Trump was elected, you know, it's it was like, yeah, that's fucked up. And I'm not terribly surprised. So let's keep going. You know, let's keep going. It's like when, um, you know, so it's 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 it is like that first two weeks of the gym gym membership in January where you get in there and you blast every weight, every muscle in your body. And then week three comes around. You're like, oh, (laughs) so, you know, what I say to my white friends is the start of week three. Okay, now let's go. Yeah. Yep. Because this is when it starts. That's right. That was this adrenaline. That's good. This is when it starts. And yeah, you want to tap out. I get that you want to tap out. Go ahead and tap out for an afternoon, for an hour or two or whatever, a day or week. But know that you got to come back to this. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to come back to this. I, I remember, um, um, yeah, it's, 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 like that, it's like that gym membership. And so that uncomfortable feeling of like, oh my God, this is hard. Yeah, you're right. It is hard. Welcome to being black. Mm. welcome now we can do works you got that you got that distinction you feel it like you want to give up it's a pain in the ass now you're starting your learning now you're starting the journey because that first two weeks that first three weeks that was just that was just adrenaline you know i mean what's going on in portland right now um i was like damn they're really they're really (laughs) messing stuff up in portland you know and and it's like I had to look at the calendar I'm like, wow, it's been two months and it's, it's still going good because, and, and, and don't look at me like, well, why aren't you protesting? Why aren't you in the street? It's like, Hey man, you know, again, like I said, in the first time we talked, um, you know, I, I can't, you know, I, I, my parents always said you can do more good <laughs> in front of the bars than you can behind bars. You know, so if, if protest, as your means of, of, of sustainability and self-care and that sort of thing, go ahead and do it. Um, but, you know, and um, my journey is every day. My journey, my sustainability is every day, just in the way I live. You know, so it's, it's, um, um, it's, it's, it's going to ebb and flow. It's, 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 it's ongoing. And, and I, I applaud the folks that are in, the streets protesting, and also um, I applaud the brothers and sisters that are living their lives every day and protesting every day in a form of of doing the right thing, raising their kids, um, teaching their kids about Black culture. Um, and um, I, I'll never forget this. A couple of years ago, um, uh, an acquaintance. Um, they grew up in the sixties, a Jewish couple, and they asked me, you know, Hey, were your parents involved in the civil rights movement? And I was like, yeah, (laughs) they got up, went to work every day and raised two black sons. You know, they put food on the table. They taught us right from wrong. You know, it's like, please don't pat yourself on the back because you're in the streets, you know, signing some petitions or collecting signatures. Because black people have been doing this for 24-7 for years. Yeah. That's the best possible form of protest right there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going back to your original question, um, um, 
You know, I, I think, I think this is sustainable. Um, and I also think that in this, we have to, we have to, to identify and understand what's sustainable for us as individuals and, and bake that into your life. Yeah. For bake those that, that don't know, just the, the background real quick on what's happening in Portland, because this podcast might be dated. Uh, there are federal officers dressed up really as the military. And when you put on battle fatigues, you're typically hunting other people in other countries or you're hunting animals. Uh, we have the federal military, uh, federal officers in Portland right now hunting protesters. As a result of that, you have moms that have gone out. They have their very own uniforms, colors that they're wearing, including yellow. And they are walking arm in arm to protect these protesters. And now you have dads out there calling themselves the dad bods. And they are out there uh, hand in hand protecting the protesters too. Uh, President Trump has said not only will he do this in Portland, he'll do it in Chicago, anywhere where there's a mayor that's a Democrat. Uh, he's going to send in federal officers, which is disgusting uh, to me in so many ways. Doc, tell us about Peace Peloton. What is it? Why is it? And what are some of the impossible conversations that are happening when you guys are riding bikes? And maybe you could give the background of you and Ed Ewing and, and the Peace Peloton and bicycles a little bit. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, first I want to, I, I, I do want to say changes here. And as long as I and everybody around me has anything to do with it, uh, there's, there's, the normal is done. We're not going back to that. Okay. Oh, and the, the other thing I want to say, uh, I hear uh, I, I, there's a lot of energy in the air about this administration and the nonsense. And Ed hit, hit, hinted to this earlier about eh, Donald Trump, uh, you know, black people kind of shrug him off a little bit. It's really the white people to have the outrage. And it reminds me of what my dad used to tell me back in the day. He said, son, don't get mad at the cow for giving milk. That's what cows do. So getting mad at Donald Trump for being Donald Trump is kind of a waste of time, right? We need to do a better job of taking the power back to back into our hands and creating our own thing, which brings me to uh, Peace Peloton that was actually launched on this this show, uh, what, six weeks ago? <laughs> six weeks ago. Uh, yeah, that was, that was, it was a really, really super exciting time. And it was something that was just, there was a fire burning in my belly. And I said, if not now, when? So, uh, we brought this organization together to demonstrate economic reform for black people. And by demonstrate, I mean, yes, we are going to be on public display in a protest so that people can see us. But the demonstration comes in where we take a, a critical mass of uh, like-minded cyclists who support this cause. We take them to a black or brown owned businesses in the city. And that's where the demonstration happens. We relieve ourselves of the money that's in our pocket in exchange for the goods and services provided by these black and brown owned organizations. We take a tour around town to bring awareness to this cause and this organization. And we end at another black and brown owned uh, business in the city and we patronize them. And it's been six weeks now. Uh, the first event we had, I think 350 people show, show up and it's been consistently in 200, 300 or above since then. 
It's it's been uh, it's been a phenomenal ride. We've decided to uh, organize the organization, so we uh, applied to and received our articles of incorporation from the state of Washington. We're now a recognized nonprofit in the state, and we're in the process of applying for our five hundred one c three status through the IRS. None of this could have happened without powerful, energetic, committed and dedicated humans who are black, who are brown, who are from Southeast Asia, who are differently able, who are non-gender conforming. All of these people are aligned to this mission to promote economic reform for humans who are entrepreneurs that happen to be black. I'd also add, I'd also add to that too, uh, humans like you and Ron, you and Don for lending your platform um, um, so Doc could make that announcement, um, and, and, you know, sharing that through social media, I mean, it just, it created this groundswell of attendance and interest. So, so thank you to both of you. Uh, absolutely. Uh, for lending your platform. Well uh, done. Well done. Yeah. Give it up, ladies and gentlemen, for Ron Don right now, baby. I would like to attend on a motorcycle, a motorized scooter. Can I do that? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Skateboard, rollerblades. Yeah. Yeah. Rascal, you know. Unicycle. Yeah. Get out that rascal, Don. <laughs> before, we get, before we get out of here, Ed, I'd like you to talk a little bit about the group of men, who they are, literally what they look like, and the conversations that you guys have been having. We've been talking mm -hmm. about conversations today. So let, let's just end there and about how this group of men has been so pivotal and important to you, uh, you've shared with me in, in our private conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I will do my best to get <laughs> to answer your question without shedding too many tears. Um, because that's, um, that's what this group means to me. Um, we've, we've, there's probably 12 or 14 of us, um, and they range from brewery owners, uh, you know, Medier Brewing and Beer Star and White, and White Center, um, to Amazon executives and, and Mark Hatcher to Boeing engineers. With Hugh Barrington, um, Doc, um, Fillmore, uh, <laughs> Rick Francis, um, uh, Ben, um, it's, it's, and we all, you know, Mark and Greg, it's, it's, we all, and Matt, we all have these, this, this amazing background. We're all about the same age. And, um, you have Brazilians, you have Jews, you have Colombians, you have African-Americans, you have Japanese Americans, Korean Americans. And, and we all, when we all get together and cycling is kind of the link and when we all get together, we all kind of go, and then we have friends from, from who are on the force, who are on the police force. 
And when we get together, it's, it's, we always think that, man, there's something here. Mm-hmm. And there's something here. We don't know what it is, but we know enough to respect it. We know enough to maintain it and to encourage it and to grow it. Um, because in Seattle, it's, it's rare. You know, when you in Chicago, LA, New York, we have larger black, larger, more diverse communities. It's easy to assemble a group like this, but in, in the Northwest, it's not. And so we all recognize that. We all really take care and maintain not only this group, but ourselves. We always check in on one another. And it really kind of solidified for me last, I mean, this started last November, you know, last September when we'd start these fall rides and just end someplace and just talk. And we just talk about our jobs, our lives, our families, our relationships. And I look back on that and I am so grateful and thankful because when George Floyd hit, when that went down, we were already tight and it's made us even tighter. And it's turned our group into action and a resource, not just in a resource for one another. Again, now more than ever, because we can call one another, talk to one another, just about life, about what's going on, about how many phone calls from well-intended, sympathetic white people did you get today? And like, I'm at 37. Well, I'm at 53. It was like, damn, how do you handle that? <laughs> you know, you, you keeping a chart in your refrigerator? Yep, I am. And, um, and it's, it's just a, and I'm, I, I, I knew it was special back in November last fall, um, but how it has shown itself and really the peace Peloton has been just this rally cry and this rallying point for all of us. And we all are like bringing in more and more and more. And this group just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're all well resourced and positioned in the community so we can make shit happen. And, um, you know, I, I think I am just, I'm so grateful um, to have this group of, of brothers, of uncles, of, of trusted advisors and friends um, that, that I don't think that I would be doing as well as I am right now if it wasn't for them. I love that. Hey, Doc, we're going to give you the final say today. We've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about in conversations. We've talked about the Peace Peloton. We talked about this group of men that means so much to you and Ed. Uh, take a couple minutes here and, and, and close us out. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks again for the, uh, for the opportunity to speak here today, man. I agree with Ed, man, this group of men, I tell my girlfriend, like, um, this is, this is, this is good for me. This is good to be in an environment with quality humans who happen to be men in an intimate setting. Do you know what I mean? We, um, we went bike camping a couple weeks ago and I had an opportunity to peel away with a couple of these brothers, man, and just opened up in a way that was, that lets you know it's, uh, we're, we're all in this thing together, man, and it's better if we just support each other. If we listen to each other's story, if we get through that thin veneer of, of uh, melanin on our skin and get to the heart of what makes us each unique, this, that's what's going to make this world a better place, man. And I am going to continue to do everything I can to foster, facilitate, and cultivate positive change relationships in a way that is going to continue to advance the aims of all people, but in particular, black people. So my last, my last plug is, uh, just like I did the last time I came and you guys, 
through this platform, we got what three hundred and fifty people, Ed and Alki, for a bike yeah. ride on a Saturday yeah. morning. Four hundred uh, last week. Yeah, this yeah. this Saturday we're doing it again, Saturday twenty fifth at ten a.m. Uh, we're going to be at the station up on Beacon Hill near the El Centro de la Raza Plaza. Join us from ten to twelve. Uh, you can go online. It's uh, I. Uh, if you guys don't mind, if you can give us a, uh, a link at the bottom, but if you just Google Peace Peloton, it'll take you to the website and you can go from there. We welcome all people, no assholes, please. Right. That should be on the banner. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, then I can't, and then I can't show up. That keeps right. inviting me. I'm like, oh, the banner, no assholes. Okay. Hey, you guys are, uh, one last thing, man. You guys are doing good work. Keep doing what you're doing, man. You are yeah. making a difference. You're making a difference in the community. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Doc. All that information about Doc and about Ed will be in the show notes. And Ed, next time you're here, I know you got a big announcement about something, so we'll make that big announcement. <laughs> sure. See ya. So, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We love you. Thanks for being on the, the front lines, and uh, thanks for telling your story today, okay? All right. All right. Nice thank you, guys. Appreciate thank it. You guys. friend that is ready to start their real estate journey, send them to ronanddunsitdown.com. All right. Our thanks to uh, Doc Wilson and Ed Ewan. If you want to know more about the uh, Peace Peloton, just look at the show notes. If you want to know more about Doc Wilson and his coaching, he's a great coach, you guys. He can coach you personally, coach your business. Uh, reach out to him and support an African-American uh, uh, business. And not only because he's African-American, but because he's really great at what he does all right more about that piece peloton coming up this saturday again in the show notes ron what'd you learn today um i learned that um my burden is pretty light there are times where i go through life and i feel like i'm carrying a lot hmm. uh in that i'm like oh man not that i uh, i don't think i'm a big complainer but i do i feel like i'm carrying this load you're not a but complainer, but the thing i'm not carrying is an extra load that I, i'm carrying my load I'm not carrying society's load or history's load or somebody else's load that they're putting on me. And when I listen to Doc, especially, and with uh, and with Ed, like I think Doc deflects it with some humor, so similar to me, like we have a very similar sort of sarcasm, dark humor. And Ed has his, his emotions on his sleeve, I think more similar to you. Hmm. Listening to both of them, um, they've been given a load by no fault of their own, and they're carrying it. it. Never asked for it. They're carrying that load. Even this thing, like we're interrupting their day, taking their time. They're not. We're not paying them to do that. They're giving up their time, their effort, their wisdom to us for free, mm. and it's to educate a couple of white guys, really. And so their their generosity of spirit and the load that they carry is a heavy one. And so I'm, I'm I guess I'm grateful that I haven't had to carry that load. And I'm also empathetic that I didn't realize how heavy it was. Mm. Like he, it's heavy. You're hitting me right across the face right now. Yeah. And so you're, just you're, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you to, to every, and I think about our friend Abe uh, that we've known. He carries that load, man. And when he, he he's gets our hot. He's, he's our producer in New Orleans. Uh, his name should have been, his name, it should have been Big Abe with Ron and Don. It was Ron and Don with Big Abe. It should right. have been the Big Abe show. Yeah. He carries that load. And it's not because he asked for it. 
it's because he does. And so uh, uh, thanks to the people of color that are carrying that load, I didn't, I didn't realize how heavy it was yeah. and is. And I love, I, I love the brotherhood that they have in this group of men. In fact, Ed is kind enough to invite me to come meet this group of men. So I'm going to go and, uh, and meet them and be quiet and just see what I can learn. You know what I'm finding? If we don't shut up, and I'm pointing 12 fingers at me if I had 12, but I only have eight plus two thumbs, so it's almost 12. You, you can't understand other people's story if you don't shut up and ask at least the right questions and then get out of the way and let them tell their story. And let them tell their story with emotion if they choose to. Or let them tell it as Doc did today so beautifully with humor. Or let them tell it with tears. Or let them tell it with anger. Whatever that is. Ed was talking about holding space. We as a society need to hold space specifically for black and brown people and listen to their stories. Something I try to do every week is read three types of books. I have a business book that I read. Usually has something connected with the real estate. I have a self-improvement book I read. And a lot of the language that you heard Doc use and Ed use, uh, those, those dudes are what I'm trying to become. Because they are enlightened, and I am not. There's been a lot of darkness in my life, and the lights have been off for a long time. So I'm, trying, I'm, I'm going around right now just trying to turn the lights back on in my own life. And I look at them, not just as black men, but as men, and I just so admire them and the way that they carry themselves and the way that they tell their story. And the way that they beautifully shared their time with us today. And the other thing, the third thing, because you always talk about my love for history. If we don't understand our history, when I was on this date with this woman the other night, she's only lived here for five years. She's from the Middle East. She didn't know about the North versus South. She didn't know about the Civil War. She didn't know that four million slaves were sold up the Mississippi. So when someone looks at you and says, hey, I feel like in that deal, I just sold up the river. That's where that comes from, being sold up the river of the Mississippi. She doesn't know that story. And when I told her that story, it didn't matter because her mind was already made up. There's a lot of people in our country, their mind's already made up. But you know what? My son's mind isn't already made up. The young people in this country that are on the streets... Those moms and those dad bods that we see in Portland brings tears to my eyes when they link arms... And they stand up against those federal officers protecting those protesters. And I know people have a lot of feelings about that. But at least they are out there, p- literally putting their bodies uh, on the line. So I appreciate that so much, you guys. So much. Thanks for stopping by, sharing episode 133 with us. Don't forget we have a new website out. It's called Ron and Don. Is it Ron and Don Sit Down? Ron and Don Sit Down.com. We're really proud of it. It looks really great. Uh, and we would love it if you're like, what is this deal you keep talking about sitting down with Ron and Don? Uh, we want to sit down with you, discuss your real estate journey, get a plan together to get you from here to there. Doesn't matter if you're upsizing because you got a new baby on the way, or maybe your kid has a new baby on the way. Mm-hmm. If you're downsizing, it's like, why am I rattling around this big house? I don't want to maintain this stuff anymore. 
anymore, or you want to be an investor and say, hey, how can I make some passive income or some uh, money off of a property or flip a property or buy something where I can get multiple doors going? Uh, any of those categories, we want to meet with you, get a strategy together, Ron and Don, sitdown.com. Yeah, we sat down with one of our listeners in Ballard a couple weeks ago. Why we've been uh, recording this broadcast, we just sold our house. And we get to get off these microphones right now, and we get to tell her that, hey, we just sold your house, and we sold it for more than we were expecting. And these are pretty fun and phenomenal calls, and we get to make these calls. So we're appreciative for that. Ronandonsitdown.com. Let us know what you know, uh, see on the website. See some mistakes because it's brand new. Uh, hit us up. Let us know. And we need your help. We'll see you next time for episode 134. In the meantime, let's keep talking. Let's keep riding in a peace peloton. Let's keep pulling close to other humans, and uh, but allowing that space, not to just socially distance, but to listen to those stories. You heard Ed say, hey, my friend called me. His mom just died. We talked for three hours, but for the first hour and a half, I listened to him about how important his mother was to him. That's why I want to be more like Ed, more like Doc, and I know you do too. All right, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Keep your head up and your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.